Welcome to the cast of characters. I'm your host, Will Burrow, and we'll be talking about Star Wars the original trilogy with the biggest Star Wars nerds that I know. With that being said, today my guests are Alex Galbraith and John DeLordo. Wow, what an intro. Uh, I, I don't think that's a horrible title to have. So. Yeah, I'm considering I'm wearing Stormtrooper socks and a Boba Fett shirt. Graciously accept. <laughs> so today we'll be uh, recapping each movie. So the fourth one, The New Hope. The fifth one, Empire Strikes Back. And the sixth one, The Return of the Jedi. And then we'll be talking about the relationship of Leia, Luke, and Han throughout the three movies. And then we'll be talking about the relationship of Vader and the Emperor and the rise and fall of each one. And then we'll talk about our most favorite movie scene, um, scene or movie of the series and why it was our favorite one. So with starting off, tell us about what The New Hope was about and everything. Well, you know, the the thing with the New Hope was, or A New Hope, was the fact that, you know, when it was made in 77, you know, it was well before anything that we saw in the original trilogy. It was the first Star Wars that we ever saw, so uh, we don't know the background that we obviously know now. But basically, the Death Star plans had been stolen uh, by, um, basically, Princess Leia's ship. They had the, the Death Star plans, uh, and the Empire is trying to go track them down and get those plans back. She hires them in an R2 unit, R2-D2. They then travel down to Tatooine where we meet Luke, who ends up being the protagonist of the entire the entire movie. Uh, he then runs in and meets Obi-Wan Kenobi, who obviously, if you watch the prequels, is like the, yeah. the guy. He is the best. And uh, he trains him uh, you know, in the art of the Force, I guess you could say. Teaches him the ways of the Force. And uh, as they kind of go on this long adventure, they run across the characters we meet for the trilogy. They meet Han, they meet Leia, they meet Chewbacca, uh, and they end up destroying the Death Star at the end of it all. It's, it's just that because they have the Death Star plans, they are able to find out the weakness in the Death Star. Uh, obviously, a space station capable of destroying an entire planet, and the, re- the rebellion has to find a way to take that down. So yeah. that's kind of your whole. It, it's setting the the foundation for what it was the original trilogy. Yeah. If there's anything you want to add to that, I know I, I <laughs> want you to do Empire. <laughs> I just kind of took the reins on that. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right, so, um, John, what's um, Empire Strikes Back about? Yeah, so it starts out the, on, so at the, at the end of uh, A New Hope, uh, the rebel base, uh, the location of the rebel base is found out by the, uh, the Empire. So they have to relocate, and they relocate to a, a ice planet called Hoth. And so the, it starts out, they're on Hoth, and um, Luke and uh, Han are out, like kind of uh, just like a, scouting basically and there's a, a a probe that was sent down by the empire and uh han and Chewie blow it up and so the empire knows that they're there now um <coughs> and then so they come they come in and there's this the famous hoth scene battle with the and that's the first time we see the atats um and there's the with luke and all the ships they put the tow cables on them and circle them to get them to fall it's a you know pretty famous I think scene in pop culture. Um, and then we move from there, and Luke Luke goes to Dagobah uh, to learn from Jedi Master Yoda, um, and he's for, uh, to just continue his education in the Force. Um, Yoda at first won't train him because uh, he thinks he, he's too old, he's too rash. Um, and then Force Ghost Obi Wan is introduced. Um, and convinces Yoda to, to train him, so he does. And then before his training was com- is complete, uh, he, he starts getting visions of Han and Leia, who um, were on the 
what's the plant? Cloud, Cloud City. Yeah. 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 Cloud City, Bespin. Yeah. yeah. Bespin, yeah. And um, gets visions of them in danger because the Empire had uh, come there and uh, <coughs> taken them, like, captive. And uh, Han Solo was fr- frozen in carbonate. So uh, Luke goes and faces off with Vader for the uh, first time in, ep- in Episode 4 in A New Hope. Obi-Wan faces off with Vader. And then here we have Luke facing off with Vader. Um, also a very famous scene in pop culture, um, perhaps one of the most misquoted lines in all of pop culture. Um, Luke, I am your father, is not a line in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, he says, no, I am your father. Um, and then chops off his hand, Luke falls. Um, he doesn't believe him at first, but then he kind of just feels this force connection with him at the end of the movie as they are kind of just like parting separate ways. And that's pretty much how it ends. So, what is the last movie, The Return of the Jedi, about? Like, what's, like, the major plot points and all that? I think the, the major plot line, I mean, for almost half the movie, it is spent rescuing Han Solo, yeah. who, was, who was frozen in carbonite. You know, that's yeah. how it starts, is they've got to do that. The Empire is in the midst of building a second Death Star, because... At first, you don't succeed. You might as well just try again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're in the middle of building their second Death Star. It's not fully complete, but it is, uh, we find out later, fully operational. Uh, <laughs> iconic line. And uh, so they rescue Han Solo, save him from Carbonite. Uh, and then it's a matter of Luke going and finishing his training with Yoda, who ends up passing away. Um, and then they go to Endor, where the shield generator is, a shield generator that kind of protects the Death Star. So the our main crew of Han, Leia, and Luke are sent to kind of blow that up. They've got to get rid of that so they can destroy the Death Star again. Uh, and Luke kind of gives himself up. He knows Vader is his father. He finds out on Dagobah that Leia is his sister, uh, which for many that was a big deal because of that kissing scene in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so that was a huge deal. And so Luke's like, I've got to go face Vader alone, and I've got to take him down pretty much, um, even though he is his father. It was this very, very a deep, conflicting scene because Luke knows that Vader has this, still has this good in him. Uh, he even addresses that on Endor. He's like, you know, you're, you are Anakin Skywalker. And he's like, that he is dead to me. That that name means nothing. That, that Anakin no longer exists. But we know deep down that it does. And we see that at the end of it all. We see Luke and Vader kind of go at it. Vader realizes that he had a daughter in Leia. And while Luke is on the verge of death, I would say, because the Emperor is just electrocuting the heck out of him, Vader kind of comes to his senses and throws the Emperor down the reactor shaft and kind of, in a way, revi- yeah, not revised, but uh, redeems himself uh, from being on the dark side. Kind of turns back to the light side, saves his son. Death Star blows up, and we live happily ever after, <laughs> at least for probably another 15 years. And then we, and then we start with the uh, prequels. So. so you brought up Leia and you know, <laughs> Luke's kissing scene. So talk, so talk about the relationship between like the little love triangle that was going on with Leia, Luke, and Han, because they were both trying to go after her, but they're also both becoming best friends. So kind of talk about like how that like conflicted everything that they were trying to do. You want to take that one? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the romance really doesn't start until the empire strikes back. Yeah. It's, it's not really, um, there in a new hope. It is very much of just like three good friends, like at the end of the movie. Um, but it, it, it's on Hoth whenever, um, Han Solo is st- he's trying to prepare uh, repair the Millennium Falcon uh, and get to back to Tatooine to pay off his debt to Jabba the Hutt, um, and you know he he's leaving and 
uh, Leia's kind of bitter about it, and, you know, th- th- there's some feeling there that she won't admit, and yeah. with the scoundrel that Han Solo is, he, you know, pushes that and plays with it, um, and just, you know, does everything he can to get under her skin, um, because he knows that, you know, deep down she does, you know, like him and doesn't want him to leave. Um, and so <laughs> when they're separated from, well, when Luke goes to Dagobah and then the uh, Millennium Falcon escapes from the, the Empire's attack, uh, it's, it's just uh, 3PO, Chewie, Han, and Leia, yeah. right? And, and then there's, the, the, there's a scene or two in the Millennium Falcon that pr- progresses their relationship further. Um, she's still, you know, sees him as a scoundrel, but is starting to give into that. And then when they get to Bespin, they get to Cloud City. Um, uh, Lando Calrissian is hitting on her and and to kind of protect her from that. Um, Han, you know, they, they kind of act a little more coupley, and, and she kind of goes along with it. Yeah. Um, in 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 Cloud City, and then in Episode Six, that's. Uh, really where you see some more of the whole love triangle. When they're on indoor, you see um, there's a scene where Han, it, it's after L- Luke reveals to Leia um, that they're brother and sister, um, but you see Han, you know, through his character arc and his mature, his maturing throughout the th- three movies, he um, he asks her a question. He's like, you love Luke, don't you? And she's like, well, yeah. And he's like, I get it. I'll step back or, or stay out of the way. Um, but then she's like, well, no, he's my brother. And, you know, Han, like most of us, when we first learned that, we're <laughs> quite, quite surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it is an interesting dynamic, and uh, it does put a little tension between uh, Luke and Han. There's a few scenes where they kind of go back and forth with it, I think even in an, a, a New Hope. Um, but And then in... Empire 2 with the, the kissing scene that Alex had mentioned earlier where she basically just does that. She kisses Luke really just to, you know, shove it to, to Han. Yeah, that's the thing. You see that too after that kiss. It's like Luke really, I don't think people pay attention. He kind of kind of puts his tongue <laughs> in his cheek and leans back in his, in his chair and Han's like, he's like, yeah, that just happened. Han's <laughs> like, all right. He just kind of storms out, you yeah. know. And so, and so that's there and uh, and, and as John mentioned, a new hope. There, there is a little bit like they were in the ship once, and mm-hmm. Han said something like, "You know, what do you think, a princess and a girl like her with the scoundrel like me?" And Luke immediately is like, "No, no, not possible." And <laughs> Han just kind of laughs, like he's like, "Yeah, yeah I know yeah. you like her, but I, you know, I might too." And so, uh, and then of course the "I love you" scene on Cloud City that was where we really saw that, and, yeah. and that was of course before we knew that Vader was Luke's father and, and everything yeah. like that. So. Yeah, it, w- it was an interesting little love triangle, but at the end of the day, you know, it was just, you know, someone was going to end up with the girl, but they all still ended up being friends. I mean, that was the big three when it came to the rebellion, so it was pretty cool. So with the, well, these these came before um, everything. This came, um, the movies came before with the Emperor um, starting to, like, show he was bad, like when Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and um, Anakin were going to, like, save him when Count Dooku was, like, hold calling him, holding him hostage and everything, but what, what's the relationship between the Emperor and Vader, like, throughout these three movies? Because you see when Vader looks at his son, he's, like, his all his darkness just stops, and he's, like, trying to protect him, but he's also trying to destroy the world all around him. So, like, talk about that. 
I think the relationship between Vader and the Emperor was almost like a relationship of debt. Vader almost felt like he was in service to the Emperor for a lot of reasons. You know, remember in Revenge of the Sith, you know, Palpatine or the Emperor, however you want to say it, he was saying, you know, I have the power to save your wife. And so Anakin was like, I will do anything you say. And he says that. He goes, I will do anything you ask as long as that meant Padme's health and that she wasn't going to die. And like I talked to you in the, in the last episode when we did the prequels, <laughs> you know, Palpatine comes out later and he's like, together we can figure it out. So <laughs> yeah. he, it, it, he contradicted himself. So I know. And then after he turns Anakin, he's like, together we'll figure it out. And he contradicted himself and pretty much lied to him straight up. But then after all, Mustafar, you know, Palpatine still went and found him and saved him. Otherwise, Anakin would have died. So I think it was just this, you're my master, I'm your apprentice. Vader still felt that he was probably more powerful than anybody out there, but he was almost too, I think, almost scared to do anything. I mean, this guy had lost everything. He had lost his wife, he had turned to the dark side, he lost his mother. I mean, everything that he had once loved was gone. Palpatine was almost all he had. And so it was almost a relationship of I'm in service to you and I'm not really going to do anything against you. Whatever you say, I will do. Until, obviously, I almost felt like he had a reason to live again. And that was, of course, his his children. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like in um, episode, in the prequels, you just see their entire relationship, how manipulative the Chancellor and then Emperor mm-hmm. is of, of Anakin. And just um, like... Alex was saying, like, he says, oh, I, I have this power that I can give to you if you join the dark side. And then, oh, we can figure it out together. And then um, keeps the the truth of Padme's death a secret to Anakin as well. So he doesn't even know about his own children. Um, and then in, it, we, we, you, you see the line in episode three, and then again in episode five, when uh, Darth Vader reveals to Luke that he is his father, um, it's a similar line that he tells to Padme. He says that I'll be able to overthrow the Emperor, and then we can rule the galaxy. He says pretty much the same thing to Luke in Episode 5, that together we will be able to overthrow the Emperor and rule the galaxy as father and son. So it is, I, I think, like Alex hit on it pretty well, He's almost does feel kind of in debt um, just because of how manipulated he has been by the Emperor. Um, but it's not... Uh, necessarily mutual beneficial relationship i think the emperor is benefits a lot from uh darth vader but you know nothing really that that emperor does benefits Mm -hmm. vader much and and he realizes that but he also realizes that on his own he's not powerful enough to overthrow him so uh, throughout the three movies you see the emperor starting to gain power and everything start becoming like the almighty one but in the last movie when when Vader's son Luke is in danger and everything, you kind of see a backstab of sorts with Vader going against the Emperor, and but also attacking his son at the same time. So some people that wouldn't call it a backstab. So like, what like that's probably the most iconic scene of Star Wars when everybody talks about Star Wars. That's what they imagine is Luke's hand getting cut off and then Vader's helmet coming off. I want to see my son with my own eyes and all that. So like, what like why do you think Vader made that decision in that time, and why do you think? he backstabbed Emperor after he lost everything he loved. Well, I think that was the thing. I think it was the fact that he had lost, like I said, he had lost everything. He didn't know. I think Vader, his transition back to the light side began as soon as he knew that he had a son. So when, when the chance, when the Emperor sat him down and was like, 
you know, the offspring of Anakin Skywalker is here. He's the offspring of Anakin. And he was like, how is that possible? Because he was under the impression Padme died, and with her, his kids died. Uh, so I think right then, that was like a little, like, you lied to me, and we didn't see that. Yeah. But you lied to me, and I have a kid out there, maybe two kids out there. So that was his transition there. And so when he saw his son in so much pain and his son possibly on the verge of death, you know, if he if his son had died right then, he again would have been left with absolutely nothing. Um, he, he would have had nothing. Palpatine would have been there. Yeah, they still would have been ruling the galaxy. But I think Vader, for all, all of his life, had this conflict of, of good and bad. You know, we saw him have, you know, the, the hate and the fear and the anger and everything like that. But I think overall he was a good person. Just a lot of bad things happened to him, and that led to his turn to the dark side. So the reason he turned he turned back, and the reason that he, as you said, backstabbed Palpatine, was because he realized he did have something to live for. And Palpatine had had screwed him over so many <laughs> yeah. times. It was like you know I'm tired of this. You know. Yeah, it's, with the whole um, Vader realizing that he is a son after living you know twenty plus years of thinking you know his wife died and you know and his children died with her um i do think like that does you know pl- affect that some and and then i think it's that's even evident um you see that uh at the end of episode 5 because that's you know just a few you know i don't know the exact time elapsed between yeah whenever the emperor tells vader that the you know it's the son of anakin skywalker and then the scene with luke and anakin or and darth vader um, but just in that short time, he's already like, Hey, me and you, we can go overthrow the emperor. Right. But, uh, so like you, you already see that. And then also just like star Wars is it's the saga of Anakin Skywalker from the prequels to the sequels. He's, he's not the main character or, or not the sequels, but the, the prequels and through the, uh, uh, the original trilogy. He's not the protagonist or the main character, but like you see it as, it's like the story of him. He's he's the chosen one. And then in episode six, in that scene, when he is faced with, um, you know, killing the the first Jedi to just, um, in, you know, 20-something years, or uh, killing the Lord of the Sith, right? He does, he fulfills the prophecy and, uh, destroys the Sith and brings balance to the Force. Um, I could get into the sequels with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, a story for another time. <laughs> yes, but and so you see that, and like there, it's it's interesting because in Episode Six, I think there's there's a, a just juxtaposition between uh, Luke and Vader, right? You see, Vader is trying to. Um, seduce Luke to the dark side, and and Luke is trying to do the same thing to to but to pull Vader back to the light. Um, and the the even in the wardrobe choice that uh, Lucas used for Luke, the entire movie he's wearing black, and he has a little white undershirt, and you see this little piece of white um, under all the black, and it's to symbolize um, the just the choice I guess that's like at his at his doorstep is. This is what he's like, his legacy, his family's legacy, what he's, you know, being pushed and called to do. Um, but just that inside of him is the, that light, right? And then it's that, and that's what he brings out in his father at the end is, it, 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 you know, Darth Vader thinks that he has completely killed Anakin Skywalker, right? 
and that he, that no longer means anything to him. But you see at the end, it, it, it truly it does, um, and he does choose you know his son uh, eventually over uh, the emperor. I think uh, I add on that. I think he does uh, a great point, Lucas, as John said, utilizing the the color and the wardrobe change. I actually never really thought about that. How that little piece of white had been sticking out because he's right. Luke wore black the entire episode with the exception of like indoor when they were in camo. <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he did that even back in the prequels too. I think a lot, and it's something that when you watch it, you don't really realize it until maybe you watch it again and again, or you read something on it. But like Anakin and Obi-Wan, the last time they see each other before they meet on Mustafar, Anakin is in the shadows. He's in the dark and Obi-Wan is in the light. And that's symbolizing, you know, what's to come. And I even, I even look at the, the Mustafar battle, you know, and maybe I read too much into that. But you're seeing two guys fighting with blue lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the, the music for that is titled Battle of the Heroes. Well, all of Star Wars, you know, the good guys are blue or green, as Lucas would say, with the exception of Mace Windu. <laughs> and, of course, you had the bad guys were, were red. And, you know, we were seeing a battle now between two guys with blue lightsabers, uh, and only one was going to come out a winner. And what, it was the battle of the heroes that we had grown up watching for, for three movies. Uh, so he, he really does a great job of, of that type of symbolism, uh, even if it's super subtle, whether it's just the lighting uh, or the colors used, uh, he does a really good job of trying to throw his points in there like that. So that that was a that was a good yeah. point. Yeah, and in and, and that battle too. Well, through that, those that whole movie, um, Anakin is wearing very dark colors, and Obi Wan wears very light colors as well. Yes, yeah, the rose and definitely. That's Anakin is wearing the darkest the darkest colors of any Jedi that you see through that whole trilogy. Yeah, that's yeah. Ex- excellent point. Yeah. So this is my favorite part. So what's your favorite like scene, or if you don't have a favorite scene, your favorite movie of like the whole entire series? I mean, if you have more than one, you can say more than one. Go ahead and take the reins on that one. I, yeah. I go back and forth between episode four and episode five. I, I mean, I'll concede that episode five is the better movie. I think that's the general consensus is that episode five is the best movie. Um, and you know when it, you know. If, when I watch him back to back, I'm just like, yeah, I think I like episode five more. But just the nostalgia of episode four is just so strong, and there's so much of it that I do, I do go back and forth so often of which one's my favorite. And definitely, I know my favorite scene comes from episode four. There's a, it's this, it's a, the scene where. They're on the Millennium Falcon. It's a uh, Obi Wan and Luke and Han and Chewie and. C-3PR, 2T2, they're all on the Millennium Falcon. And they're going to Alderaan before they know it had been destroyed, right? They're, they're in hyperspace to Alderaan. And Obi-Wan is kind of giving Luke a lesson in the Force. He's trying to get him to, you know, just sense where that little blaster ball is going to shoot the lasers and he's supposed to block them, right? And he can't do it because he's trying to, fo- he's focusing too much on you know, using his sight and all that instead of just, like, letting go and feeling it. So he makes him put on the blast shield, um, and he says, just let go and feel it and use your senses. And then he gets all of them, right? And just, and then, you know, he kind of also just explains, like, what the force is Obi-Wan does there. And then you have uh, Han. It's like, I've been around this galaxy, you know, (laughs) back and forth. I've never seen one all-powerful force or whatever. But that scene is the most Star Wars scene to me in the in all you know every single movie that's ever come out. Like that scene is Star Wars to me. I don't know what about it. I, I don't know. I, and I had I had that realization a couple of years ago that that it was that scene that literally just like everything about it. It's th- that feeling of like th- this is you know it's like 
just like there's the little saying it's like you wish you could know the good old days when you were in them and like anytime I'm watching Star Wars when I'm in that scene I'm like this is just perfect this is the perfect scene I, I don't want this scene to end because like everything about it is just so perfect and so Star Wars to me and so yeah that's my favorite scene <laughs> that was pretty detailed I yeah. like that <laughs> that's good stuff now I my, episode 5 out of, out of these three is definitely my favorite uh, as John said I think a lot of people would consider that to be the, the best Star Wars at least of the Original trilogy. Uh, I don't know if any people consider the, se- the new sequels to be any good, anyways. <laughs> we'll talk on that at a later point, but uh, I definitely love five. I, I like four a lot. What he said about nostalgia was true. I think Star Wars period gives me a lot of nostalgia. I mean, I've got a whole, I've got a whole playlist on on Spotify of just Star Wars like film scores. Man, <laughs> I just listen to that music because it takes you back. You know, it takes you back to maybe the first time you watched it or. Even could take you back to like some of the video games you used to play as a kid, or maybe you still play now. So <laughs> that stuff goes a long way. But I really like uh, sticking in four. I think the whole they were on they were on Tatooine for a while. And I think that that probably is one of the most iconic planets in Star Wars. I mean, because that's where everything almost begins and ends. You know, they go there in the Phantom Menace, and that's how they meet Anakin. And then you know they're there to start Episode Four. And, and that's how it, where where episode nine ends, so really bringing everything to a close. Um, but I really like the entire conversation that Obi Wan has with Luke in his hut. Uh, you know, he rescues Luke from the Tusken Raiders, and he takes him back there, and he kind of tells him what the Force is, what it's about. And then Luke naturally, you know, he he says, you know, I fought in the Clone Wars, and that uh, really sparked Luke's interest. You know, and he fought in the Clone Wars. He asked how his father died, and and what amazes me more than anything is how Lucas had this entire series planned out. Because, you know, you think about this. The episode four was made in 1977. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason I like this scene so much. He brings <laughs> up the Clone Wars knowing that Lu- Lucas knew he was never going to be able to make the Clone Wars until well in the future because he knew it needed to be technologically mm-hmm. advanced, something he didn't have in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and that's why we didn't get to see the prequels until the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, Attack of the Clones was like, what, 02? Yeah, 02. And then yeah. we saw the, cl- the animated series, the good animated series, in like 08, mm-hmm. you know, way down the road. So, But he had that planned out in 77. You know, how you know, did my father die? He had that planned out. He saw Obi-Wan's robes were still singed, had little black marks from like mm-hmm. the fire from the battle on Mustafar. He had that planned out uh, all the way through. Uh, and, and Obi-Wan's entire monologue was based off of something that we hadn't even seen, you know, talking about how, you know, uh, Darth Vader was a pupil of mine before he turned to evil, yeah. hunted down, you know, all of that stuff was stuff we hadn't even seen, and he had it planned out, and, and Alec Guinness did an unbelievable job <laughs> of delivering that, because Alec Guinness, you know, you, an actor could have done a really good job have you watched the prequels and then do that mm-hmm. monologue, you, you know what happened. Guinness did that with no knowledge and no visual of what the prequels were going to be like, uh, and, and he delivered that. And going back and watching that now, uh, you can picture everything that happened in the prequels and, and, and realize how powerful of a delivery that was and almost how devastating that was for Luke to hear that, even though Obi-Wan didn't... Uh, in, in, from, a, from a certain point of view, he told him the truth, So uh, <laughs> even though it wasn't directly. So uh, I think that's one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. The music's iconic in, in that scene. Just all of it is is fantastic. But uh, yeah, for me, if I had like rank them, it'd be five... Four, six as yeah. my top three, yeah. and, and that three and, and six wasn't even bad. That's the thing. Yeah. Someone's gonna come in last, but six wasn't even a bad movie. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where I stand. On well, that. for me, I kind of have two. Um, the first one's when Han is um, kind of like at the bar and everything, and he's talking to um, I think his name's Greedo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And talking to him, and that's one of the most like controversial 
s- scenes of Star Wars because some people say when he shot him, he missed him. And then some people say he shot him and killed him. But either way, he died. But <laughs> if you watch it slowly and everything, it looks like the shot, like Greedo's sitting straight and the shot goes to the left of him. I right. Mean, like there's YouTube videos and well, everything there's, about there's it. different versions of it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And the original version... Well, so like in, in what you'll see now, like on Disney Plus, and if you buy the like the discs now, um, Greedo shoots first. Yeah. But in the original versions, Han shoots first before Greedo ever gets a chance. Yeah. And that's um, and so they've changed that. And like uh, in the Han Solo movie that came out, what that uh, Ron Howard did. Yeah, I was gonna talk about that. Um, yeah. th- th- they have the scene where uh, the I don't know the actor's name that played Han Solo, but he's he's facing off with Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. and. Woody's, you know, talking to him, and then, um, and you know, he's about to draw and shoot Han, and Han realizes it, and so he just draws and shoots first, and it's the it was so you know it was just it was poetry because you it know really it, was. It, 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 yeah. it was poetic justice because like they've changed it, and that's not in episode four anymore. But they in, in the Han Solo origin story, they show the scoundrel. They show he shot first. You know, he didn't wait to get shot at, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's one of the biggest Star Wars controversies out there. Yeah. Did Han shoot first or did he not? At the end of the day, you're right. Greedo died. Uh, you know, one way or another, <laughs> it, that, that's really all that mattered. Yeah. Uh, but I felt like that, as John said, that was like poetic justice in the solo movie, almost saying, "Yeah, Han really did shoot first. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't pick up on that. You know, I remember being yeah. talking to people, and they were like, "Oh, he really? Like, that's what you got yeah, from that? Like, that's clearly, the whole point that, of that, that scene. The whole point yeah. of the scene was he drew first and shot him and didn't miss. So. Uh, it amazed me that went over some people's heads, but uh, but yeah, that was that was a really s- smart move in, in the solo movie. Yeah, and that really like with the four. I mean, when it when it happened with Greedo and everything, it kind of showed like Han Solo is going to be a badass for like the next like the rest of the trilogy. Just being his his smart comments or just whatever, like he like that's when you knew he was going to be like the the co main character with right. Luke for the rest of the movie. And then my second one is. Um, when Anakin takes his helmet off, his helmet off to see his son, he's like, "I want to see you with my own eyes and everything," and that really shows like Anakin coming back to the light side and seeing him with his own eyes. When he says that, is like puts a nice bow on top that he was once bad, he was what he was once good, and now he's back good because as soon as that happens, he's gone, he dies. Right. So it just really shows like how with Lucas and everybody making the Star Wars movies, it really showed, like, it was a family-oriented movie, but, like, they didn't, like, it's not, like, a Martin family top. It was just, like, through the storytelling and through all the action, it was really family came first throughout the movies. And that's kind of, like, what I took my point on it and everything. Well, and you're not wrong on that. I mean, the the emphasis on family was such a big deal, I think, from the beginning. I mean, Anakin and his relationship with his mother, uh, and then, obviously, he kind of, Obi-Wan took on that kind of, fatherly role but also a brotherly role as the master uh, and then you come to here you have the relationship between Luke and Leia and then Vader as their father which you know that was the family oriented thing and uh, so yeah in a way you know it wasn't that family was everything in this galaxy but fam- family ties played a mm-hmm. huge role from from start to finish no doubt about it yeah and kind of to just go back to like what Alex was saying earlier about uh, some of the scenes with Luke on Tatooine it, it reminded me of I don't know how I forgot about this, but I have a painting in my room of it's Luke by their little hut on Tatooine on the moisture farm um, and his, his silhouette with the two suns uh, setting in the horizon. 
Um, and I, my sister-in-law made that painting for me for my birthday or Christmas one year. But um, that scene, too, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier of, like, you know, this is the, you know, the good days, and, the, and you know you're in it. Like, at that scene, when you go back and watch it, it's kind of it, – but I guess a better analogy for that one would be, like, you know, the best part of the weekend is Friday night because you still have the whole weekend ahead of you, sure, right? Yeah. And so, like, that scene – is, you know, it's Luke longing to get out, Luke longing for adventure. And then you know that you've got the whole rest of that that trilogy coming up, you know, that's just going to be so good. And so, like, that's another one of those scenes when I'm in it. The nostalgia just hits so hard, and I'm just like, man, I get to watch this whole movie, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, the whole movie, then two mm-hmm. more, yeah. Right. yeah. So I don't know about y'all, but with me, I started when I started watching Star Wars, I watched 1, 2, 3, and then 4, 5, 6. Um, so, and you see Anakin turn into Darth Vader. So do you think... Like, if we were born in the 70s, the 80s, and we only watched it from 4, 5, 6, do you think finding out, like, Darth Vader was Luke's father would have hit different than it hit watching the first three first? So, so I'll say, when they actually, when episode 5 came out, um, and they said, like, you know, Luke, or Vader's like, no, I am your father, people did not believe it. Like they they refuted it. They were like, no, 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 he's not Luke's fault. Like that's impossible, yeah. right? It's such a it's such a cliche now because it, and it's so overdone now. And like now, when you see that in the movie, you're like, you know, whatever. But it really hadn't been done before cinematically. Um, that was really the first big time it had happened on screen, and people did not believe it. And you see in Episode Six, they directly address it when uh, Luke's back on Dagobah with Obi Wan. Um, because people didn't believe it. That's how big of a shock it was. And like for me, like you said, like you saw, you went one through six. I remember the first time I watched through the original trilogy was right before episode three came out in 2005. So I was four or five years old, right? And my dad showed me, as every good father should, <laughs> the original trilogy right. before we watched this the prequels, right? And then we when episode three came out, we watched it. And the only two that I remember watching for the first time were episode five. And the scene that I can still distinctly remember from the first time I ever watched it was it's, it is the scene with Luke and Darth Vader. And when Luke's hand gets chopped off, yeah. I distinctly <laughs> remember that seeing that for the first time. And the other, and then is episode three. And the scene that sticks out in that is the, the Mustafar battle with Obi-Wan and, and, and Anakin and, I mean, being a five-year-old kid and just the emotion displayed on screen by Ewan McGregor, it, it, it's still it's one of the best acting performances I've ever seen. It's like, it makes me emotional when I watch that <laughs> scene when, you know, he's got the high ground and he's, he's talking, he's like, you are my brother, Anakin, I loved you. It was, it was said you were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. And just the emotion in his, in Ewan McGregor's voice and on his face is just so good. It really <laughs> is enough to make a grown man cry. It, it, yeah, <laughs> yes. And he deserves so much more recognition for that. You know, movies like this don't get many Oscars or mm-hmm. anything, but I mean, that... McGregor, McGregor made the, the prequels. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Was, absolutely. Without a doubt, he, he was – I mean, I love that man. And I don't even <laughs> yes. care what yeah. he does. I will go watch any movie yes. or any show that he does because I love Ewan McGregor. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement for sure. And John's right, as any good father should do in the future. <laughs> I know for a fact yeah. when I expose my kid to Star Wars or kids to Star Wars, it'll be four, five, six, yes. one, two, three. Yes. And then I'll pretend and that'll seven, be it. Eight, yeah, yeah, seven, eight, nine don't exist. No, yeah. I, I, I've, I've thought about this, which is fun. But, yeah, when I show my kids Star Wars, it will be four, five, six, one, two, three, and then, like, Rogue One, and, and like, any other, like, um, individual movies that yeah, come out sure, that are sure, good, like, yeah. I'll show them that. But I will not show them seven, eight, nine. 
and my kid is going to come home from fourth grade one day, Dad, 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 did you know that there was three other yep. Star Wars movies? Yep. It's like, no, that's a false doctrine. <laughs> there, that's <laughs> no. not possible. Yeah, no. I would know, son. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah, It's actually fan-made. It's not real. Yeah. <laughs> I would just completely, yeah. We're not watching them. Yeah. So one thing is that a lot of Star Wars fans back in like now and kind of back then is um, so Leia is also a daughter of Anakin and everything, and people always wondered why they really never showed her having Force powers and like having like Force. They kind of like a little glimpse here and there, but when you like watch the the crap movies, you see, you see her just floating in midair. You see her. You see a little like a ten minute scene with her and Luke with the lightsabers mm-hmm. and everything. Why do you not think they didn't even like show a little tease or anything of it during the original? Well, she was. We have to keep in mind that la- later on she was trained just like Luke. Yeah. Luke didn't really know that he had force powers yeah. either until he was trained. And, and Leia actually did. They 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 hinted at that uh, in Empire Strikes Back. If you remember, yeah. Luke Luke fell down and was like clinging to that like dish or whatever. And as they're he he's calling out to her. He's call, calling out to Leia, trying to focus. And and as they're flying away in the Millennium Falcon, she hears him. Yeah. And they circle back around to go save him. And and that was her. I think the first. I don't know if people realized it at the time, but people realized that Leia was also Force-sensitive because we didn't know that Leia was Luke's sister at the end of Five. Mm-hmm. We, that was, we didn't know that, but that realized that there was a... Actually, you may have. I mean, I didn't, and when Luke left Dagobah, you know, they said there is another. You know, yeah. He was our only hope. Was, no, there is another. So kind of led you on until we knew for a fact. But, yes, they, they, they did hint at that at the end of Five. And, and, and the... Envi- just the whole fan fandom in that environment is so different now with YouTube than it was then with the YouTube theorists like just w- off of those two things right there there is another and then that connection that they have at the end of five every YouTube video before episode six comes out that was going to be in the theory right but like that wasn't a thing when, right. when these movies came out so like I'm sure yes some people did make the connection but I think the general um, public the general audience didn't no, um, but yeah sure. yeah mm-hmm. So for like, and the, those are the the original trilogy. They had um, CP three. You had R two D two. You had Chewbacca. Do you think when they were making those movies, do you think they had they were planning to have a big impact, or do you think like it was just kind of like a comedy relief, or because and all that? Like, do, what do you think they had planned for that? And because when you ask Star Wars who their favorite character is, it's normally those three. Uh, subtract Luke and Leia and Han. It's normally. One I of think those when, when you ask non like fanatics, yeah, yeah. like when you ask a, a casual Star Wars watcher or just someone who kind of knows, it's yeah, like, oh yeah, Yoda or Chewie or R two, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Normally, ask one of like is one of those three. Like, do you think at the time Lucas planned for them to have a big impact in the movies? Because you kind of see Chewbacca kind of having a little bromance with Han Solo. And everything, and you also see it with um, Luke and everything. But when you go to the crap movies, it's Chewbacca is actually one of the main characters throughout those three. And like a little spoiler for what's going to happen in the future, um, Chewbacca gets acts like he gets blown up, and everybody's heart breaks. And then, but you you kind of see it and everything. But like, kind of like what the original question was, what do y'all think? Like, do you think it was they're going to make him a big impact of the movies, or do you think it was just kind of like? Oh, here's a little joke here and there. I don't think they were ever in there for comedic relief. I mean, right from the start in A New Hope, it was evident that R2 and, and 3PO were going to be made. Mm-hmm. I mean, R2 had the Death Star plans. I mean, e- even if R2 had only been there for 20 minutes, he was a vital character. <laughs> yeah. The entire rebellion relied on him to deliver that message uh, to Obi-Wan. You know, they needed that. 
Um, so, no, I don't think they were ever in there for, for comedic relief because R2 and 3PO played a huge role uh, yeah. throughout the course of the entire series. And, and so did Chewbacca. And Chewbacca, we didn't know this at the time necessarily, but, you know, he was like in a life debt to, to Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, Han Solo saved his life, and we saw that in the in the Solo movie. Uh, and, and so Chewbacca was like, with him for life. You know, he wasn't going to leave. That was kind of like the Wookiee code. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, Chewbacca, you know, people, oh, I don't like him. He, he doesn't make sense. I can't understand him. That's the point. Mm-hmm. That's the qu- No one can understand a droid outside of 3PO, you know? So it, it, it's, it, at times, yes, they could provide some comedic relief, but it, it was no, nothing compared to like a, I don't, I don't know, like Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think of those characters, 3PO provides the most quote-unquote comedic relief. Yes. Um, and, and then there are some beeps and noises that R2 makes that do provide some comedic relief. I don't think as much with uh, Chewie, at least not in the original trilogy. But, like, you know, I don't think they ever had a vision of how big it would be. Um, but it, it, at least not in the first movie. I think by the time the trilogy wrapped up, perhaps they, they could see just how much of an impact it had had on the culture. Um, and, and in episode six, you can see that um, with the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. The Ewoks, one of the main purposes of the Ewoks was to sell merchandise. It's this cute little, t- little teddy bear that you're going to put in, and it, it, it's, you know, like you said, like um, with the, the casual moviegoer is going to be like, oh, that's so cute, and then, you know, you know, buy a doll, you know, or whatever, right? Because that, that's what they remember. It's the same thing that happened in the sequels with the, the Pogs, these little cute birds yeah. with big old <laughs> yeah. eyes that, you know, all these people are going to buy, even though th- that they literally didn't do anything except sit there and look sad when Chewie was eating one. Yeah. Or, or, I, think, I think he throws it away, right, At, when they're sitting there yeah. giving him the little big the dog, doggy eyes. Yeah, But th- that was basically the same thing the Ewoks had. Um, so you, you kind of see some of that. Um, once those they, they saw the traction they had on it, they did kind of go that you know, way a little bit there. I remember this scene vaguely, but doesn't it like Chewbacca went, doesn't Han and Luke get a medal and Chewbacca doesn't at one point? Yes, and so then he, he comes yes. back and does he, it. He does not get a medal and a new hope. Then why do you think he doesn't get one with the other, other two? Because he was like kind of a Kind of a part, like he was a part of it and everything. But why do you not think he doesn't get one and everything? Well, Han's the ship captain, and and um, Luke blew up the Death Star, so yeah. like that. Th- th- that's why I think specifically the two of them are honored. And then in nine, I, I believe Leia gives Leia's, yeah yeah. To him. yeah he ends up getting it, which was heartbreaking. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was pretty. That was pretty gut wrenching. But yeah, I, John's right. I think it was just a matter of yes, Chewbacca was. Is very important to the entire series, but you know Han Solo was the one that piloted the Millennium Falcon and helped knock off Vader in the Death Star trench, uh, which allowed Luke the opportunity to shoot and blow up the Death Star. So it was those two that made it happen. Mm-hmm. Chewbacca was there and he absolutely contributed, but uh, it, I think it was just a matter of honoring the people that actually physically did it. And also just from like a, a film writer's perspective and the cinematography pers- perspective, right? Your three main characters: Luke, Leia, Han, right? You have those three main characters in your final mm-hmm. shot, yes. right? Yeah. It's it's Leia giving the medals to Luke and to Han, and then just that picture uh, of just the three of them, right? Because mm-hmm. that is your core, that's your main characters, right yeah. there. And so I think, like, just from that perspective, when you when you actually just step outside of Star Wars and look at it from 
you know, Lucas is and the, all the writers and the, the cinematographer's perspective. I think that's probably the, the real reason yeah. that's why it happened. So before we wrap this up, is there any comments or statements you want to say about the, the love you have for Star Wars or anything? Oh, man, I think it's, uh, for me, I've always, I've grown up on Star Wars. I know John has too. Uh, a lot of people have. They've grown up on it. It's been, <laughs> it's been just a, a part of their life, whether it's in the movies and the TV shows and the, uh, you know, the, the action figures and the video, all that stuff. But I've grown to appreciate Star Wars, I think, more as I've gotten older than I did when I was younger. I, and I don't know why that is, but I, I, maybe as I've gotten older, I understand things a little bit better. I, I pick up on things a little bit better. But, I mean, from the music to the acting to uh, just everything, I've grown to love it more every day as I've gotten older than maybe I was this time, even five, six years ago. So, uh, and maybe maybe the new series helped with that a little bit <laughs> for it to bring it back. Or maybe I've grown to appreciate the original trilogy or because or yeah. the original saga, the six, because of how bad these last three were. <laughs> well, so certainly I've grown to appreciate the prequels more um, yes. because of the sequels. But yeah, I would say with, with um, you know, like Alex said as well, just growing up with it and it just being intertwined in just so many different aspects of my life. You know, we, you know, always had lightsabers, mm-hmm. toy lightsabers, you know, dressed up as, you know, Luke for Halloween. Um, yeah, the, the video games, um, just playing all of those and just like how much and, and just watching the movies just over and over and, you know, binging through them, you know. And um, just everything like that. But I do agree. The older I've gotten, the more you do appreciate. And I think some of it is, when I was a kid, for example, my favorite one, um, my favorite Star Wars movie was episode two. Because it had the best, you know, the best action, the the whole Battle of Geonosis. I just thought that was awesome. The clones and everything. When I got older and just, like, watched the movie again, I was like, Oof, um, <laughs> it, but then the thing is, like when, and then you go back to the original trilogy. It's, they're they're written so well, the story story wise and dialogue wise. Some some of just the the dialogue in Episode Five with Vader is so good. Just some of the, some of the scenes when him and Luke are are fighting, and just and then obviously the performance of James Earl Jones. It's spectacular, but just. I think a lot of it too is just the story it tells. It tells such a, a beautifully woven story, and it is it's a story of of hope and um, just you know, uh, I don't know, people rising above their station. Um, um, you know, just it's some of just the very archetypal archetypal things that you, you you see in these great stories with these heroes is just these people from from nothing that come um, from different walks of life you've got a princess uh, a farmer and a uh smuggler pretty a much. smuggler yeah, yeah. and the, who go and save the world right just the, um just that classic story of that and just told so well and so beautifully and in a, in a, in a wow <laughs> <laughs> and in a different fashion than had ever been seen yeah um and it just makes it stand out so much for me it's more showing it's probably one of the best movies that I've ever watched ta- explaining relationships and family, how important that needs to be for you to be able to do anything and be successful at what you're doing or to save each other. It shows how much your relationship needs to be tight with that other person. Because like when, you, when they're um, getting all smushed and Han and Luke have to work to 
keep the walls from collapsing. I mean, that's really like, it's funny, but it's also one of the, like, really the first time they're bonding and everything because they're kind of button heads. It just really shows how much the family impact of Luke and Leia and of Anakin and Luke really impacts that movie. That's why I like Six, that scene is just like so beautiful to me because it really shows how evil he was. He's probably one of the worst villains in of all the movies still to this day. In episode five, yeah, you just see him just ruthlessly kill all these people, yeah. right? His his men, his captains, his generals, right? And then in episode six, there's the line with um after we see him kill all these guys for making these mistakes. In episode six, the line of the emperor is not as forgiving as I am, and you're just like. What? Yeah, for real. It's like, are you serious? Like, yeah. e- even in three, when he kills all the younglings and stuff, oh, yeah. I'm like, holy crap! Like, that's still one of the worst, like, quote unquote, villains of any movie franchise to this day. Like, just how dark it was, and just shows that, like, that family can't overcome anything, just depending on how much you love that person and everything. So, with that all being said, I want to thank y'all for y'all spending the time with me today. Um, talking about y'all's favorite movies, Star Wars, and all that. But um, next week we'll be um, going over the probably the hit show that everybody cares about right now, WandaVision. And the guest for that will be Joshua Pruitt and Mr. Perkins. <laughs> so, so, so um, thank you for watching, and please tune in next week.